Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy, NFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And the new YouTube video is out, it's a Charles Woodson giveaway. The person who won it hasn't contacted me yet, I'm going to let it breathe. So that might be you, you might be listening, you might, you know, have a Charles Woodson jersey who uh, needs to be posted out to you. But before we get there, I'm going to talk to my old buddies and my old pals. I feel like, and I actually have, spoke to these boys more than I have my own family, and that is at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones and at Pooley Shrew Andy Davies, and this is part three, the final part of our official pre-draft podcasts. Fellas, what's going on? Yeah, I'm good, Steve. Very, very excited. I get more and more excited as we get closer to the day. I can't sleep at night. Um, <laughs> just, just extremely excited. It's all good here, mate. Yeah, and you know when you have insomnia, it's the bee's knees, and it's good insomnia because you know you're thinking about. Men playing football. Andy, are you, um, you know, rolling away from the wife and sneakily looking at pictures of men on your phone? <laughs> no, I'll stick to the stargazing, Steve. It's fine, mate. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just acclimatizing myself ready for Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Do you want to tell the people what you were doing late last night? What, at about midnight? Uh, yeah. Well, um, you told me one o'clock, but go on, go on. No, it started at midnight. So the, so the stargazing started at midnight. So I rolled back the, the hot tub cover, plunked my backside in there, lay horizontal, staring at the sky, waiting for some sort of cosmic uh, super show, which didn't appear till about quarter to one this morning, yeah. So I got to see one flickering shooting star, and that was it, really. So. Are you sure? Did you have the bottle of beers on? And then after so many, it just stuff started to move? No, that's going to be plan B. That might be plan for Thursday to keep me awake, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hang, hang on a minute. Is this the Sky at Night podcast? Oh, I tell you what. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it, yeah. It's uh, nipples.com. It's it's some sort of wild, I don't know, if it gets after errors, we'd have Andy with his top off in the jacuzzi. It sounds about right. But, um, it would be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can already hear people on their keypads searching YouTube and the internet as we speak. Um, but look, um, this podcast... I'm tempted to call it the hot take podcast. I don't like to do it because I don't, I don't like to dilute and sully what we have. But we'll talk for literally two seconds on special teams because that's the one grouping that we haven't talked about in this draft. And then we'll do a bit of scene setting. Um, Peter, have we anything to say about special teamers in this draft? Do we go out of our way to try get a legit kicker punt returner? Um, or do you see any moves or shakes at kicker? I can already assume the answer is no. Or, you know, punter, long snapper, considering what we did in the draft uh, around this position, surprisingly, uh, with JK or, you know, AK, what did I call him? J- AK 47. Um, so am I guessing that all of this is in the negative? No, was going to be my answer to, I think, all of those questions. Um, Moving yeah, on. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I just. Then you know they've got they've got Tyler Irving returning punts. I think you know if they pick up a running back, you know, a Darrington Evans or a, or even an Antonio Gibson or one of those types of guys in the mid to late rounds that we talked about the other day, they're the potential you know as as your next kick returner. And I think after that, I just don't think they're looking in this direction at all. Yeah, nothing to add. I, I guess Andy, right? Because I mean, this is. 
<laughs> yeah, no. starting with a bang, yeah, nothing to add. Agree yeah. with 100% with Peter. Yeah, <laughs> move on. Brad, right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I should, I, you know, I should just edit this all out and go. So we're not going to talk about special needs in this podcast. Just so <laughs> I guess we get around to, and there's uh, so many tropes, and they start to get a bit more ridiculous in the media as we near the draft. You know, people, I'm still seeing, and I'm, I guess I'm going to have to either edit in or edit out me smashing my head against the desk here about people talking about trading for Odell Beckham and giving up a first round, and then other people going, well, why not? It makes sense, and you're like, going, it makes zero sense in a draft that's adept at wide receiver where we could pick one up in the fourth round that would be grand uh, well then why would you do it it's so tiresome but i think lads we need to talk about draft position because we have been inundated with questions to you lads um, about this topic andy about whether we move up whether we move down and a really intriguing thing about the press conference that you were saying in pre-production with brian gudekunst apart from the fact that he kept cutting off which isn't a great sign um can you fill us in on what's the state of play at the moment between whether we, because we assumed moving down, right? But you think, based on what's been said, there could be a move up, which is surprising. Well, he's not going to give away his hand, is he? I think he was, you know, he, he throws a few sparkles up in the air for everyone to see. So people may think that we move up or may move down. But I think there's, the question was revolved around the depth at wide receiver. And he acknowledged the fact that it's a, that it's a deep crop. Uh, mm. But I think his comment was around that he, they're not going to stand still and, and wait for the, the right guy to come to them. They'll go up and, and sort of get the guy that they need, really. So I think that was taken as a... Everyone, I think they saw one of the Twitter threads. It was all sort of people letting off fireworks and getting excited because that automatically indicated that we were moving up in the draft. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. However, I think it's a, it is a possibility. Um, I think the favourite would still be the trade down, but I think there's all sorts of connotations that could lead us to... Uh, reaching up for the right player. Yeah, he strikes me as a man that would just speak in parables, you know, that you'd say, ask Absolutely. him a simple question. Like, well, what's your favourite colour between black and white? Well, both have contrasting qualities and if you put the two together, you get grey. And you're like, going, yeah, cool, okay, but well, do you want to answer the question? You know, no offence to the guy, but yeah, as you say, I don't think he'd give away his hand, Peter, would he? No, and I, and I think this is absolutely a case of you, you, you watch the draft, you see how the first 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever picks go, you know, when you get to that kind of halfway through the draft and you've got a good indication about who may or may not be there in the twenties and then, and then, and then at 30, and that gives you an indication that, you know, cause it could be, let's just suppose that, that he's got an eye on somebody, a and other, that guy could have gone at 13 for all, for all we know. And that completely changes where his mind, where his mindset is. Hmm. Um, but you know, if you get to pick 16 or 17, and if he really has got an eye on a particular, on a particular player, whether that's a, a wide receiver um, or, or perhaps one of the, one of the inside linebackers who know who knows then then that's the point where he started to consider having discussions around around a trade up i guess yeah it's it's a it's an odd one because you never really know it's that whole thing in cards where if someone's bluffing they're never going to tell you they bluff the hand you know the, the hand goes back into the deck and you never really know what they had <laughs> and it's kind of in this instance you know is that he could say all of this and as you said peter the way it falls it's not open to him so he just puts the deck back into the uh into the drawer and you never really know so i guess we won't know until he makes that shock move up no and i think no you're right and i think the thing that people have to have to remember when we talked to this you know about this on on pre-prod is you know to get from 30 to 18 Hmm. It's probably a second round draft pick. You've got to give up this year's number two or next year's number one. 
that's a lot of draft capital to give up to get those 12 places. So you've got to be absolutely certain about that player that you think you're going to get at that spot. You know, this this isn't a trade up a few spots and give away one of your extra sixth round draft picks. This is a second round pick you're giving up. I love that too, Andy, that... Uh... Online, you see some lads like, oh, you know, do you think we'll move up so many spaces into the top 10 to pick up someone that we like? And then someone goes, yeah, yeah, they'll have to at least give up a fifth round pick to do it. <laughs> and they're kind of like, eh, yeah, at least. Life is so easy. <laughs> I think Miami are the potential trade partners to, to move up, aren't they? So we'd have to give up a first and a second to get to Miami's slot um, or a first and a first next year, which wouldn't shock me um, to, to get to where Miami is. I think the players that you're looking at if they're going to drop, and Peter alluded to it, it's going to be how the board feels. Offensive tackle is only really the top three for me, um, which would be Thomas, Beckton and, and Wills. And I don't think any of those three will get to that point. Um, and then there's a, a huge list of wide receivers, Jefferson, uh, Jefferson and Jefferson. So I right. those are the, <laughs> those yeah, are the, the players that I'd be, re- yeah. I'd be reaching up for. Um, and, I don't know. So let me we'll keep see, you yeah. on that, Andy, right? So say it does swing around. We do have to trade up um, to, to get Jefferson. He's still on the board. Can yeah. you can you tell us, A, why you're so high on him and what he could offer to the team? And would he be worth a second round pick or next year's first as well? Yes, and, and yes. And why I think he's the right receiver for us right now. I think he's the most ready. Um, and he's the most fitted to what we need right now in terms of that slot role production. I don't think he's niched into that role, mm. but I think he's a, a super savvy. He's the most accomplished route runner in the crop, I think, for me. Um, and because he's done it and you've seen it on tape, I think he'd be the most suited. You know, Rogers is going to be 37 next year, isn't he? Um, we've got to provide him with some weapons and provide him now. Someone like Mims, who I think potentially in, in two or three years' time could be a, you know, a superstar in the NFL. I don't think he's NFL ready right now. Um, I think it's going to take him a couple of years of seasoning. He, he doesn't he doesn't separate as well as Jefferson, not even in the same ballpark. So for all he's six three and has has got super size and you know really it really tests really well in terms of route running and separation. Jefferson is you know light years ahead, um, and I think he's got it. I think he's got it all. So he could be a real difference. What would be the biggest difference maker for our offense right now? I think two players is Jefferson and probably the guy from uh, TCU Rager because we don't have that element of breakaway speed. Um, for that reason, those would be the two guys. I would reach for Jefferson. I wouldn't reach for Rager. I'd sit, uh, or maybe, you know, if he, if he sort of falls that far, but I have a feeling that he may go really high as well. I think someone like Philly might have their eyes on him. So um, that's, you know, something to muse over, isn't it? Peter, what do you see in Jefferson when you look at his body type and his skill set? Is there any current NFL wide receiver that you see that would sort of match you know, give us kind of a flavour of what this guy can bring. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think what you've got is a, is a, is is a is a tall guy, well built, well built receiver with with speed. So as a so as a physical guy, can get open. I'm not quite sure who you would compare him to in the NFL playing from the slot today, off the, off the top of my head. Yeah, this this is a guy that's. I think if you look at his physical attributes, it's unusual to get all of those in the same player. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely all in if you want to trade from 30 to 20-ish to get him. I, I, yeah, I mean, I have, I have no, I have no, no issue with that whatsoever. I, I think he's going to go about 20 um, in this in this draft. And what's the difference, Peter, between him, Rugs, Judy, and Lamb? I mean, what's the difference between him and the top three? Uh, 
Uh, and, and I was thinking about this, funnily enough, funnily enough today, um, Steve, because when you look at a group of 12 or 13 wide receivers, it's quite difficult mm. to separate separate them all. So I think that I think that when you look at let's say CD Lamb, what you what you see is a guy. And one of the most impressive things about CD Lamb is his release off the line. Right. So that so that's a guy that you can line up um, as your ex as your ex receiver. Um, so you, so you split end. And he's going to beat he's going to beat press coverage right right off the line, and he does it time and time again. Mm. And that in a, in a guy coming out of co- college is quite unusual. And I and I see that in CD Lamb. I see a little bit of that in in Jerry Judy, but not as much. And you know, Rugs 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 actually is a better route runner than people give him credit for. But but that's you know he, he, people struggle to look past his. Four point four point two seven speed or whatever it is in the yes. in, in the in the forty and and I and I I absolutely get that. One of the question marks, and and it's kind of an unknown about Rugs and Judy, is that they played in college together. Yeah. And you don't know how much, um, you know they they um sort of fed off each other almost. Abs- a- absolutely. And there's a, there's another guy, um, from from another wide receiver from Alabama who nearly came out this year as well whose name completely slips my mind but you know very talented group of of wide receivers and you just don't know how much like you say they fed off fed off each other and that's that's also part of the question mark I have about T Higgins so Higgins playing at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence how much of Higgins's production is due to how good Trevor Lawrence is and you can't answer that question because you don't know the answer but it's but it's a question mark and and then you look at some of the others, like like Chenault. Chenault's a really, really excellent receiver, good after the catch and whatever else. Medical concerns. So if that guy is able to play and pass his medical concerns, then you could see him going in 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 the, in the first round. But you've got all of these individual question marks, you know, about about these guys. And as Andy said, you know, Mims is Mims going to come in and dominate like a Jefferson would in his first year? And the answer is no. Mm. And probably the same answer for for Brandon Ayuk, who I really like. You know, I like I like I like Ayuk because um, one of the main reasons is he's absolutely fantastic after after the catch. So he's a guy that's going to turn you know a five yard slant into a into a fifty fifty yard play. But he's not a complete all round receiver like CD Lamb is today. Yeah. So you're kind of looking at can I get a guy that can come in and and, and contribute immediately. Or am I looking at a guy that's got great potential, great athletic ability, who by the time he's in his second or third year, is going to be perhaps as good as those guys that you take earlier? I mean, look at Devontae Adams, for example. He struggled for his first for his first couple of years, but now he's right up there in that group of you know top five, whatever you want to say, in receivers in the NFL. So sometimes it just takes some of those guys a little bit longer. Yeah, and it takes yeah. an Aaron Rodgers as well. <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt. Have him in there. Do you any harm. Yeah. yeah. So Andy, you mentioned offensive linemen here. So if we were going to move up, you'd sort of want one of those premier guys. But a guy that we've been seeing, uh, you know, being thrown around in this is uh, Ezra Cleveland. So do you want to give us your take on what you think of this guy? Could he fit the bill for the Packers? He fits the bill on paper, and he's and he's the uh, he's the darling of uh, social media right now, isn't he? And the momentum trains, you know, he's uh, gathering pace at a rate. Choo choo. Choo choo. Um, I, I didn't jump on the train and I won't be jumping on it. Um, he's, he's not for me. He's not nasty enough. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, uh, his tape's not 
super sexy. Um, and again, he looked good at Indianapolis and he looked good on, on testing and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, his RAS score fits the bill. Yeah. Um, but he's just, he's not on my list of five potential offensive linemen. I'm assuming that we don't get the opportunity to pick from some of the, the cream of the crop. Um, but Josh Jones is a possibility. I think Ben Barch later on in the in the piece, and then some guys further down the sort of day three, really, the likes of Jack Driscoll, Alex Taylor, Terence Steele would be my five guys to look out for on the tackle front. Uh, Cleveland has been talked about by by lots of Packer circles. He just doesn't... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we pick him, but he, he wouldn't be for me and he's not on my list. Yeah, like you say, you really need an offensive tackle who's a bit nasty. I remember Jeff Fisher, there was a lot sort of said when he was with the Rams, is that what he trained his O-lineman to do and D-lineman to do is after the whistle goes, get one jab in. And it used to really yeah. annoy them and they used to sort of, there'd be so many scraps of practice, but that's what he said he wanted in alignment. It's just that nasty, gritty nature to them. Um, and that's why I guess yeah. Mike Daniels was such a favourite around. I know he's placed defence, but he was a favourite because he was into that nasty, kind. that's what he wanted the defence to be, yeah. just pure nasty. You need that on offence as well because you're coming up against these boys. Yeah, and do you know what? I, I, I haven't seen all uh, 11, 12 games, whatever he played last year. I only watched a couple of his games. But I did notice one thing. So when the when the QBs sort of release the ball, the ball's going downfield. Like you just said, you want an offensive tackle to finish. Yeah. He's looking behind to see if the ball's released. Yeah. So yeah. rather than play the guy in front of him, that tells me he's not. That that doesn't sit well with me. I I want him to sort of pile drive him into the floor and let him know that he's going to be there all day. Not look yeah. around and see what's going on behind him. That's it's not what I you know. Um, but so yeah, he doesn't strike me as a Balaga, a Batiari, a Nasty, a, a Verba. You know these guys, TJ Langs and Josh Sittens, who had a, an edge to them. You know uh, that just doesn't. He just doesn't strike me as that sort of character, really. So for that reason. He's not on my small select list of five. Yeah, like I, I don't think it's an accident either, is it? That you know we know TJ Lang's name and he's an O line. But like back in the day, when you look at the likes of Kramer, I mean he's known because he had the tape recorder and recorded some of Lombardi stuff. But otherwise, these lads are kind of anonymous. And if you read his book, Instant Replay, it goes into the fact that it's incredible that people knew who he was to say that he was a lineman. It's unreal. So you know Just, we know TJ Lang, we know Josh Sidden, we know yeah. David Bakhtiari, we know Brian Balaga. So it's good for these boys to be known because it means that they're speaking up and there's a bit about them demeanor means a lot for me offensively I, mean, I think one of my favorite of all time was aaron taylor yeah and you see the amount of passion and sort of he played with you know pumping his helmet up in the air you know walking off the field in the super bowl you remember that and yeah that's the sort of uh standard bearer for me uh, you want to see that and uh, it can make up for a lot of deficiencies kind of playing with that kind of you know edge uh, and i just don't see that from him so well, maybe we'll see. Yeah, how do you think, Pete? Now, when you're looking at offensive linemen, because if the assumption is is that we move up, which we package picks, we might not have a second rounder or a first rounder next year. Um, that really does put a premium on wide receiver. I wonder, does that mean Peter as well? Now, I will say everything that Gudekun says usually uh, you could summarize actually in a tweet, right? It's either it's is the answer yes and no, and he'd say maybe. So like that's just the way he is. He doesn't give a lot away. Um. He values the process, and I think a lot about English football, you know, when you're looking at the likes of, uh, they talk about these mind games. So you'd wonder, is there a bit of that going on? Because over the past, how many times have we seen Green Bay in play for a player from the Bears, and then they have to sign him to a whopper deal? And that's kind of like, it's like he likes assassinating the Bears cap space um, with moves like that. So we take what he does with a pinch of salt. Would that be sending the signal if we did move up to grab a wide receiver that we, we deem ourselves only one or two pieces away 
away from a Super Bowl roster um, instead of hitting all the areas that we need with offensive line and defensive line and inside linebacker? Um, I'm not sure how many <laughs> questions there are there. Um, Ten. For me, if they if they sit at 30, so let's assume that, that they don't trade up, Jefferson's gone or they can't make that trade to get to, let's say, 20 or wherever it is to, to, to get him. If they sit at 30 and Josh Jones is there, then I'll run up with the card to take him. <laughs> um, I don't know where I'll run to in this in this in this day and age, just around my living room, I guess. But but Josh Jones, Josh Jones would be my pick. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that he'll be there at 30. I think he's going to go in the 20s. So depending on how the way the board falls, he could be there at 30. If he's there at 30, I I would be extremely pleased to take to take um, Jones at 30. Um, and part of the reason for that is I think I think you know, this is this is a guy that played left tackle at Houston, but has kind of got you know the guy's six five about three twenty three twenty five so a body type that could play at right tackle mm. if if you wanted to play him there, but he's a guy that can come in and play straight away as well, and whilst you're not necessarily looking for that you know in in the tackle that you take you're hoping that that you know Bakhtiari is going to be there. Um, completely healthy next year and hopefully for years to come, but you just don't know beyond next year. You're hoping that Wagner works out, but you just don't know. I think that Josh Jones would be an, an excellent pick at, pick at 30. Um, the, the other guy that you, you guys talked about, Ezra Cleveland, I, I agree with Andy. High RAS score, so high relative athletic score, nearly 10, 9.8 or something. So it's a really, really athletic guy. One thing that worries me about him, and this is this is a bit odd saying saying here, you know, the guy's six six three ten, which is he's actually underweight for his size for a guy that you want to play, you want to play tackle, hugely athletic guy, but uh, but um, playing at Boise State, watching him on on tape, he's a third round pick for me. Yeah, um, and he's, he's a guy that you think in in two years time. He could be a starter and do and do a very good job. He doesn't look like a guy that can come in and and play straight away. Now, if if you've t- if you've picked in the first round at thirty, let's say you pick a linebacker or a defensive lineman, whatever, and you've still got your second round pick and you're looking for a tackle, then I could see taking Ezra Cleveland at the end of the second round. It's still a reach mm. for me, but you know he's not going to be there probably at the end of the third round. So I could see taking him, you know, at pick at pick sixty-two. But for me, for me, you know, beyond the trade for Jefferson that that you know that Andy's talked about, if Josh Jones is there at, at thirty, that's the guy I'm grabbing. Yeah, and I guess that leaves us then looking at defensive line and inside linebacker. Um, Andy, if we're sort of assuming, you know, again we're being realistic, we're not going for the top guys. Fire a couple of names at us, will you? And sort of why you think they'd be a perfect pick for the Packers and they make sense. Yeah, I think it's going to be the two top guys, Murray and Queen, are going to be are going to be long gone. I just don't see us being able to justify the, the top pick at inside linebacker, so uh, they don't make my list. Um, I think it's in the meat of the draft, so I think I had uh, probably three guys rounds sort of two or three, uh, and then some of the guys probably later on. So Malik Harrison, uh, Troy Dye, uh, and Akeem Davis Gaither would be probably round two, three, possibly top of the fourth. Um, and you could throw Jordan Brooks in that, and then two guys probably later on would be Logan Wilson and, and Michael Walker, if we, if it's towards day three. Um, 
the two preferred guys out of that for me personally would probably be Malik Harrison from um, the Big Ten, and then the guy Akeem Davis Gaither, who's obviously called Davis, so he gets a, another special mention. <laughs> we could probably fill out the roster with Davises this year and, and do pretty good out of it. Um, but yeah, so those I, I think that's where our pick for for inside linebacker will sit. I think the caveat to that would be is what we talked about the other day. Really, is that in the system we play, do we need that? second linebacker if yeah. Kirksey is going to be the guy or, and do we actually look for the big safety so do we go down the Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin route and, and uh, snag an athlete that way that's something to consider yeah Jeremy Chin keeps coming up time and again I mean is this a guy that we should actively try seek out do you think in the draft we should try and chin him exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Go for him. So, I mean, when you look at a Jeremy Train, Peter, um, why are people so high on this guy? What what does he offer that, you know, have really... Is it the fact that he's... So he's sixth on the draft guide, so he's sixth on your list. Um, So why is he always coming up? Is it just because he's realistic for the Packers or does he sort of stand out on his own as being something that would be pretty dynamite? Well, I think it's, I think, I think it's both, right? So I think so. I think he's, he's realistic for the Packers because you wouldn't expect the Packers to be taking a safety in round one or round two. You know, unless unless there was an absolute, you know, unless Ronnie Lott was sitting there, you know, at the end of at the end of round one, then then you'd consider it whatever you'd got today. But but given their situation today, you know, you're not expecting the Packers to go safety in in round one or or or, or round two, and then and then 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 Duggar and Chin both fit into that second, third, fourth round area, depending on where teams see them. Um, and so so it's kind of in the ideal slot there in let's say, you know, day two for the Packers and he makes plays, you know, more than, more than, more than anything else, you know, over the years, over recent years, you know, back to probably since Nick Collins, um, you know, the Packers have had solid safeties, but, but they don't make plays. You know, you, you've not got a safety that's picking up four, five, six interceptions a season. Or forcing whole bunches of fumbles. We haven't had we haven't had that guy, and 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 Jeremy Chin certainly on his college performances is that guy. You know, 19 turnovers in college. I think we touched on that the other day. Um, you know, he he makes plays on the football, and that's one of the things that I always look at with with defensive backs. And I know this this sounds a bit odd, but do they make plays on the ball? You know, you see a lot of guys, not so much safeties, but you see a lot of corners in particular that provide really good coverage and yet they still get beat yeah. because they don't see the ball. They don't turn for the ball. They don't make plays on the ball. Jeremy Chin's one of those kind of ball hawking safe, safety guys, always around the football, makes plays, makes turnovers. Yeah. And the only question mark for me about, about Chin is just simply his level of competition. Hmm. And and that's why you know you're putting him in that kind of third roundish area, you know if 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 he produced the way he produced and he was playing in the SEC, it'd be a first round pick. It'd be a high first round pick. Hmm. Can I just throw another name out there just from, on for inside linebacker? Yeah, and and that's Wisconsin Zach Bond. And the reason I throw him out there is because it's difficult to work out. You know, he played off the edge most of the time at, for the Badgers, but he wants to play as an off-the-ball linebacker in, in the NFL. And I know lots of scouts see him that way. And that's kind of where um, we've put him on our on our big board. And I think he's a guy that's likely to go in that end of second round, third round area. It just depends on how teams see him. Um, so he's not out of the question for the Packers to pick at, pick at 62. 
Yeah. What one of my provisos on that is, and it's a strange one, and 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 fans are probably going to hate me for this. I'm not always a great fan of taking a guy that's from in-state because I think that generates a heck of a lot of pressure on that guy. Yeah. I think I have him down as a future Patriot. <clears throat> that's why he's not in my list because yeah. I just think he's a, <clears throat> he's got a Bill Belichick written all over him. Mm. Andy, what did the Packers need to do in this draft to shock you? <laughs> what did they need to do to shock me? Um, it's a good question, Steve. Um, Nothing shocks me anymore. To be honest, <laughs> in the NFL, showing your eyes there. There's, there's, there's very, there's very few things that do shock me. Um, yeah, I think uh, you alluded to special teams. If we take any element of special teams, that would shock me this year. There we yeah. go. It shocked me last time, and it would, it would shock me again. Um, that's probably the, the extremes it's going to get. Everything's in play, isn't it? Every, everything's in play this year. It's not like we are pigeonholed into into one area. You know, we talked about sort of. Um, tackle there we didn't allude to the sort of in, you know interior offensive line it wouldn't shock me if we took a body guard or, or center hmm. nothing's out of the, the realms of possibilities this year i don't think you know there's some guys there um the hennessy's and the britons or runyon or pinter there's three or four guys there that it wouldn't shock me if they took one of those so 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 nothing really i think every position's in in play i mean we've loaded up on edge players haven't we with yeah. you know the smith brothers and uh and Gary last year, but we still need another edge player to complete the quartet. So I think everything's in play apart from probably special teams. And Peter, despite need, right, putting need aside, which is a hard thing to do when you're going to draft because that's what it's all about. But just speaking of shocking and, you, you know, you wouldn't put past if just grabbing a player. Yeah. Who's the most, this is going to sound ridiculous because it is, who's the most Packerish player or a couple of Packerish <laughs> players in this draft that you look at them and you sort of go like he's he's absolutely ideal. I don't think the Packers are going to go there because it's not particularly a position of need. But if he was picked, that you'd think he is the My perfect goodness. type of player that deserves to be in Green Bay because he fits the system <laughs> ideal. Um, well, I think we've I think we've probably talked about whole whole bunches of those guys. I mean. Um, <sighs> The most packerish because you wouldn't have picked Rashawn Gary, right? I mean, you look at this guy, and yes, he's got you know no. a high motor, but he he was a shock. He's seen as like Jesus Christ, and this whole thing about them doing cartwheels naked in the well, I'm adding the naked part, but doing cartwheels naked in the hallway uh, when he fell down to them and thinking, oh my god, we got an absolute steal, where everyone else is kind of still scratching their heads a little bit. So, like, is there any other player that could potentially be like that that you? I tell you what, let's flip the question. What's the most unpacker-like player? Like, I'm not saying Rashawn Gary is that, but someone based on the RAS score, even that you think, you know what? Debate is too much here for Gutekunst. He's going to look at his RAS score, and he's just going to go, Jesus, I need to have him. So, so, so let, let let me let me give you a couple for the first for the first question, and this is be, a lot because of their RAS score. C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of out of Florida, um, would be. Um, a guy that absolutely fits fits the Packers' mould. They won't get him, A, because he won't be there, and B, because I don't think they're going corner in the first round anyway. Yeah. But that that's a guy that absolutely fits their mould. And, and a guy that we've talked about a lot, Kyle Duggar, the safety, absolutely fits their, fits their mould. In terms of turning this round the other way, I'm gonna, I'll throw you a couple of things out there that I've been mulling over perhaps as silly ideas in my brain today. Um. And these would be kind of off-the-wall predictions that, that, uh, that I'll make. The Packers will take 
quarterback Jalen Hurts in the third round, and he's he's a, un, a very unpacker-like player. And why would they do that then? Do you think? Um, because I, I've got this sneaking suspicion that they're going to get a quarterback somewhere. Yeah. And I've I've just fallen upon them taking taking Jalen Hurts in that third round because they see him as a high potential guy that could could and it's a huge could they may see as their future starter in three years time or he's a guy that could go completely the other way Mm. and could be out of the league in 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 two years in which case they'll say well it was only a third round pick anyway (laughs) um it doesn't hurt you know no yeah and there's a lot of athletic ability there totally off the wall pick that would be but I'm going for a totally off the wall pick there and if they don't do that assuming that Miami takes a quarterback early which they almost certainly will I think it would just depend with Miami which quarterback they take whether they take Justin Herbert or Tua Tungabailoa but they will take a quarterback early the Packers are going to trade a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick for Josh Rosen. Oh, yeah. Which it, there was links there anyway, and the fact that the two of them. I'm. Do you know what? I'm loving this those session. Are two complete. Those are two completely off the wall things, by the way. But Andy, you're on the clock. Come on, give us <laughs> give us something, Andy, here, because I think you might have a couple of little sneaky. And what we will caveat this and say. This is a fun part of the podcast. We're not going to hold you to these predictions. It might, if... might be the only bit that's right. That's <laughs> Never done. <laughs> well, yeah, Andy... I'm going to I'm going to sneak all the way down to the to the bottom of the draft. So I'm going to go start off with safety. So Lejarius Sneed, my my super sleeper, who's been sleeping all winter until someone woke him up yesterday <laughs> on the internet and really <laughs> this me off. <laughs> so he he is he's been talking to the Packers like their best friends since about February. Right. Um, uh, so he would be my third. Uh, his RAS score comes up at nine point five five. He is his, his size, his speed, his potential. He doesn't need to start straight away. He has. Packers written all over him. So he'd be my first guy. Second guy, Peter knows is no surprise, Darrington Evans for me. He is Aaron Jones, Mark Two. Yeah. He has all the all the fundamentals that the Packers are looking for at running back and he could be a potential option if it if the contract next year gets becomes a little bit of a problem. So those would be my two um most Packerish players, if you like. Yeah. Um who won't we go for? Hmm. I'll say if he's going to stay at wide receiver, I'm going to go for Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Um, not because he's his rad score, because his rad score is off the charts. But I think we've got um, his type of receiver. We've got plenty of those in the cupboard already. Yeah. So, so he would be the first one. Um, and if we're going to go down the quarterback route, um, the other quarterback that might drop is Herbert. I don't think we'd touch him with the barge pole. Yeah. So that would be my opinion because I think Peter's right. I think Jalen Hurts is is definitely on the table as an option in in round three, and I think the other guy is it, is it from Peter? I think he would yeah. be the other one. I think he's not as likely, but I also think he's got something there, and it wouldn't be worth a you know wouldn't be the worst shot in the world to go round three with him either. And Andy, packaging picks. Do you see that happening? 
in this because I know you had some. Uh, we went off air and then you start dropping absolute bombs a couple of days ago. You know, <laughs> any of those? Does that still ring true for you, or have you, have you changed your mind? Yeah, I think there's. I think no. I think there's all sorts on the table. I think that um, if we're going to trade down, so that's if we're going to do a pie chart of probability. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think sixty percent of me thinks that probably we're going to trade down, uh, and if it would be someone. Uh, the Texans or Cleveland or, or something of that nature, um, and you're going to pick up a second round pick and a third round pick to to sort of you might have to throw a six to to even out the the trade value. Yeah. Um, but those are, are the first two things. Standing pat would be my would be my outsider. So if it's I don't know what ten percent, so that takes you up to seventy. Doesn't we just say where we are? Yeah. Uh, and then you can throw in the sort of trade ups. So I think that Miami would be my I think is the most likely, and we would either need a second round pick to do that, or next year's or last year, next year's first round pick. Which, um, given how far up against the cap we're going to be next year, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's something we did that we've never. Have we previously done that, Peter? Have we ever given up a first round pick? To um, I don't think we have, have we? No, I can't remember. I remember giving up a. Um, a second rounder many, many years ago, Ron Wolf gave up a second rounder to move up and get Vonnie Holiday, that's right, um, yeah. a defensive end. But that was, you know, that's in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, I don't remember yeah. in recent in recent memory giving up a, um, a first round pick. They traded, the, traded them away in the past, you know, in the mid 80s for the likes of Mossy Cade and those guys. But... <laughs> that went, so that worked out well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I can't. In recent memory, I can't remember giving up a, a first rounder to move up in the draft. No, no. maybe Gurukun's wants to be that guy, you know. Yeah, I think it does. I think uh, I think he likes to be that guy, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's. Um, you know, we've gone for years in the in the Ted Thompson. He's trying to carve his own niche, isn't he? Yeah. As I think the um, what's within his remit to to make a splash. That's something he's got in his back pocket, isn't it? So I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, there's plenty of teams that that are looking to. To dance, to be a dance partner with, whether it's Miami or San Francisco or you know Texans, there's plenty of plenty of trade partners. I think looking to yeah. move as well. So, and I and I think the fact that teams like Miami, so there's, there's a few teams that have got multiple picks, and some teams like the Bears that have got no picks in in the first round. I think that means there's likely to be more trades early and less trades later. Is, is how I kind of see this. And and part of the thinking there is that, that some of those first round trades can be made before draft day. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Wednesday night or, or the morning of the draft that we don't see some of those first round trades being made. Yeah. Well, I think uh, there'll be a trade. I think there'll be a couple of trades at, uh, in the next sort of 48 hours because I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at it here. Mr. Gronkowski is heading towards Tampa Bay. So where does that leave... Uh, OJ Howard, so that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, it's odd. It's um, it's weird with him coming back into the fray. He's looking. Have you seen him, lads? He's looking pretty skinny. He's not looking the same big, imposing, beer chugging dude. He's putting the weight on, isn't he? Again, though, to come back is and play. He? But I think yeah. he's. Um, they're saying he's had his physical at Tampa Bay, so it's just a case of working no out way. what sort of price to pay. Yeah. So. Cool. I can't wait for people to draft him in fantasy and then for him to go missing for eight weeks due to injury. You know, that's going to be um, to see that frustration <laughs> coming back into our lives again. Brilliant. I, I think it's more interesting to see the party scene in Tampa Bay 
and Gronkowski trying to play on a Sunday. He's had a, after the act, he's had a Friday, Saturday night bender. Yeah, because they did ask him, didn't they? Had he ever shown up uh, hungover? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Which, yeah. like, Jesus Christ, like, is the water wet? I mean, they really need to ask him. But, um, so, Peter, sure, if, if you're going to sum up... Um, sort of everything that we've talked about over the last three podcasts then yeah. about your emotions about the whole thing how you sort of likely see it going and we hate doing this and it is an absolutely nonsense notion but what do the Packers need to do in this draft for it to be seen as a successful draft or at least you know that whole thing about you got me the wrong size but it's the thought that counts I mean what can we do to make the thought count here or at least he tried I mean what do we have to do to fit into that category here so, 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 so I think that in 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 an ideal world, the their first their first three picks are going to be offensive tackle, wide receiver, and either defensive line or inside linebacker in any order. Yeah. Right. So let's we don't know who's going to be there at which particular times. But if you, but if you came around way in your first three picks and you've got those positions, and assuming that you've got the value and make that assumption, then that's kind of where you really where you really want to walk away from the draft with. Yeah. Late, later on, you can start filling the other positions. But I think if you've got tackle, wide receiver, inside linebacker, defensive line, so three of those four, I, I think I think it's you know on paper a, a success. For me to make it a extra success, it will have been done by trading down from pick thirty to pick let's just say forty mm-hmm. and picking up an, an an extra pick. So that would kind of be the cherry on the on the top of the cake, if you if you like. Um, I'm coming more and more round to the to the thinking that they're going to stay put at 30, and they're going to take Josh Jones. That's a, that's for no reason other than I think the pessimist is getting more and more in me as we get closer to the to the draft day. <laughs> and it's not that that's not a, not a not a great pick because it is. I've talked about running around the room with that draft card. Yeah, it's just that in my ideal world we would trade down and pick up you know, a guy at 40 and, and get the extra pick or two. But um, I think they're going to stay pit, put at 30. Andy? Yeah, with well, my sensible head on, I would agree with Peter, but I'm not going to be sensible. <laughs> yes. I, I, I wanted to be with my heart since since sort of January time. I wanted Jefferson in January. So a difference maker at wide receiver. We needed one last year. We, we still need one now. We have got some really good players and Adams is a superstar. But But to bring in somebody who could pick up 60, 70 catches a year and, and, and make defences think differently is key for me. It's key for Rodgers and it's key for how the offence works. And you know, if we ever get into a shootout with other teams, we're not equipped right now to, to deal with that and we need to be. So whether it's um, the Jefferson trade-up, we, we'd have to trade-up. He's not going to drop to 30. So if you've got designs on Jefferson, it's got to be a trade-up. If we're stuck at 30, then um, if Rager last then he would be my preferred option there um, the likes of Pittman and I uh, I would take and then I think they'll double dip I think later rounds whether it's Courtney Davis Devin Devaney uh, Tyler Johnson they'll, they'll go again as well I think so that is the wide receiver um, I would like a tight end just to compete at some point mm. in, in mid rounds so whether it's Harrison Bryant or the guy later I talked about Ellison or the guy they've been talking to from Cincinnati, Degura, that one of those guys would be would be nice, but it isn't a necessity. Yeah. Um from a tackle perspective, it may be a it may be Josh Jones. Um Ben Barch would be if he's still around in the third round, uh, he would be my preferred option. If not one of the, the later guys, Driscoll, Taylor or Steele. Um great. 
I think round two is my sweet spot to the top of the third, depending on where we, we're sort of dancing around. So if Blacklock or Jordan Elliott are around at that sort of point would, would suffice for me. Um, I think we need something in, on the D-line. Um, but I would take somebody um, like Strawbridge or, or sort of Highsmith to sort of round out the edges as well. So that would be great for me. Inside linebacker we've talked about, sort of potentially back end around three, round four times. So the guys we've mentioned there, and I think we need a cornerback later on. So the guys we talked about in the defensive pod, Harrison Hand or, or Reggie Robinson from Tulsa, with my two preferred guys. Um, and then as long as we pick up the running back, uh, Evans, we can do anything else really, and I'll be, be quite happy. <laughs> um, and then just the top of round seven, pick up Majarius Need, and then we can all go home and look out for some free agent pickups. <laughs> That's it. Whip off Sunday. the tops, dive into the jacuzzi, and yeah, have a yeah. good day. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be recording at that point, won't we, at some point, surely. And if we are, yeah, I'm going to be doing some sort of Nick Shannon twirly arm celebrations around My the guys. <laughs> so, 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 Steve, what are your thoughts? Let's turn the tables and ask you the question. What, what would you see as a success or what would you like the Packers to do? Well, do you know what? And again, I think this is the best time just to, because you know what I absolutely hate? Uh, we're very objective, and you know we come at stuff from a very sensible head we try to knock these tropes on the arse but i will not and i don't get too violent about it and i don't swear all that much especially when i'm recording but when it gets to the the real business fun end of the season like playoffs i don't subscribe to oh we're going into this game we're going to get smashed now i know that we're potentially going to get smashed but i go into a going you know what let's go pack go let's do we're going to do it so similarly to this I like to have a bit of fun with this. So I love the idea of, you know, double dipping at wide receiver. I like the idea of moving up and getting a wide receiver if, uh, you know, what we're sort of led to believe and what you see on tape about Justin Jefferson. If he is that guy, well, then I think absolutely just go balls to the wall and go up and get him. And I like the idea of having Rodgers at the best of his ability. Now, I know there's all this talk about him, you know, the edge coming off and all this type of stuff. But let's put all of that in the garbage for now and let's focus on the highlight reel throws. If we get into... Because we all know we're deficient in, in run stuffing. Um, our pass rush is looking pretty good. You know, we have safety. Like Darnell Savage, I'm very excited about. Um, You know, the, the boys at cornerback. So I think, do we have maybe enough at defense? And you know what? Screw it. If we can get enough offensive firepower... I would gladly welcome a season where we can give out about the defense, but then talk about the seven, eight touchdowns we scored during that game and just how fantastic each and every one of them was. And maybe offense is the best form of defense. And it just seems, and I don't know how you lads feel about it, I'm getting a bit of offense fatigue where I'm kind of getting sick of talking about how deficient we are. I'm kind of sick about getting sort of wide receivers further down the draft and them not coming to fruition or you know, talking about these trust issues with Aaron Rodgers. I want to put all of that aside and I want to see Sternberger, you know, do something and not get injured. I want to see Devontae Adams at the height that he is and enjoy that. And then I want to see some really dynamic young guy like me and you, Andy. Like, I mean, I think we're very high on Debo Samuel. So I would love a guy in like Debo Samuel to give us that spark and excitement. Um, And some of these players in this draft, from what you lads are saying, uh, seem really exciting to me. Um, So, yeah. That's a very long-winded, passionate uh, explanation as to how I think we should go. It's the biggest deficiency, isn't it? So the stat came out, didn't it, yesterday that in terms of the NFL, the Packers had the most um, drops, sort of missed missed yards, didn't they, yeah. from wide receiver in terms of drops, didn't they? So in terms of opportunity, 
that's where our biggest opportunity sits. It did last year. Someone said about um, six hundred forty-two or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy amount, isn't it? Absolute crazy amount. Um, but people said, "Oh, we did. We had fourteen wins last season, but we didn't enjoy the ride." Yeah, and, and I think that I was probably in that boat because Same we were right. winning games. We've got some quality, quality players, haven't we? Mm. But I always thought we were two players short. I thought we were D line short, which is where the the Mike Pinnell free agent pickup would have sort of plugged a hole. And I thought we were wide receiver short, and that was the frustrating bit that you, you in the back of your mind, you always knew when it came to the the real sort of championship caliber game, we were going to be a couple of pieces short. Mm. And I think it's the same this year. And I think we need to go all out to get what we want. Um, I think that the tackle position, the reason I'm edging towards wide receiver in a big way is that there's people still on the free agent market that you could go and plug a hole for a year. Yeah. There's people out there still, whether it's Feldier or whether it's other guys that are still sort of sat on the benches waiting for calls. We can plug that because we've got an all pro at left tackle and hopefully he can stay, he can stay injury free. Um, and Wagner's, is can be a you know a stopgap if you like, but there's other players out there that we could use as swing tackle. So um, I would like us to pick one up early, and I think um, it's a real possibility. But wide receiver screams a need, D line screams need, and then O line would be the the third person of the trifecta. I'll tell you how I feel about it as well, right? Had we went on and won the Super Bowl, which was massively unlikely, and as you said, I was in that category as well, where I was like, look, we're grinding out the win, let's not be overly negative, but at the same time, yes, we have obvious deficiencies. I think if we were to win the Super Bowl, again, wasn't likely, but if we did, I, I wouldn't be coming into this season thinking, oh, well, we're going back to the big show. I'd be thinking, Jesus, yeah. you know, we might get found out this year. And it's and it's sort of, it'd take the shine slightly off that Super Bowl win. It's not the same as 2010, 2011, where you're like, Jesus, we just can't be stopped. It's as simple as that. We yeah. can't be stopped. We're sending on backup quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, to ply their trade. Whereas that's just, that does not sort of, reek from the team that we have now although as you said we do have supremely talented players that can do the business um peter do you feel the same obviously right no, that we're a couple of just a small few pieces shy of where we need to be and if we don't get them we're always going to remain shy yeah well yeah absolutely and i think i think i think one of the things is is that you know i think the really great teams have the ability to come from behind to win and, you know, you're not talking about being down a touchdown. I'm talking about going into the fourth quarter down two scores or being down three scores at half time and coming back to win. Yeah. And and you have to have the offensive firepower to, to be able to do that. And people, you know, talk about defense, defense wins championships. But if you look at lots of those great defensive teams, even the 90, the 85 Bears, you look at the number of games that they came from behind to win. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite an incredible number. And um, you just don't feel that this Packers team has the capability to come back from being, you know, 17 points down in the third quarter. And, and it's like you it's like you guys described. It's it's you're leaving yards on the field. You're leaving points on the field. Um, and so, you know, those extra extra weapons on offense. Absolutely, and the way you were talking, Steve, it almost sounded like you were you were longing for the days of the early 1980s Packers <laughs> Packers <laughs> Packers offense. You know when they were playing 48, 47 games, and, yeah. and, 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 that, and those and those kind of games, and and um, you know they had a, a quarterback wearing number 12 throwing to a Jefferson, which was there you go. You know, 
what, um, are you, what are you saying bring Lindicky back? I mean, what are we saying here, Peter? <laughs> it, it it just you know you, you guys have summed it up best. It just feels like there are a couple of there are a couple of pieces away, and and for me it is that ability to to score points when you have to have them. Um, you know, it's one thing to rack up. 31 or 37 points when you're going away leading it's another thing to come back from 14 points down or to come back like the chiefs did you know in the in the in the super bowl and i'm not talking about every week but you have to have the ability to be able to yeah. do that and, and we do what... nothing easy though do we we do nothing's easy right now there's no easy touchdowns they all have to be apart from the couple of long valdez scantling they all had to be methodical drive, didn't they? You yeah. know, with, with three or four key third down conversions, there was nothing easy. You know, there was no quick hitters, boom, gone. There was, there's just none of that is that breakaway threat's not there. We relied on a stellar season from Aaron Jones. You're not guaranteed to get that again, are you? you know? And how many plays on each drive, Andy, as well, where you look at it and you're like, that's quite obviously a bad play. That's a terrible call. And then all of a sudden, they'd rectify it with something great. But there'd be times where you'd look at it and go, that's that looked experimental and that looked really wrong. In any, in any sport, you need you need moments of magic, don't you? Yeah. You need moments of magic to turn the tide of games where it's particularly not working for you or it's not going your way or the game's not going as you intended it to go, and and that's where the special players come into it. And and in in the NFL, offensively, it's typically speed, isn't it? It's typically speed or. Um, and that's the, the element I think that we're missing. So that's the element I think we need to address with the most urgency. Well, another fantastic podcast, lads, uh, ju- in just under the hour. So again, I will stress to people, if you want a lowdown and there's been some really stellar stuff over the last uh, three podcasts and long may continue, uh, we've had Peter Jones at IT Hedgehog and Andy Davies at Pooley Shrew. And do make sure that you follow the boys on the run-up to the draft, during the draft, and more importantly, after the draft to kind of get a sum-up of, of how we did, at least initially, how we sort of address needs and where the holes could be plugged um, of course I'm at DDD NFL and you can catch me on the podcast as usual but also uh, on YouTube so there's a, a weekly YouTube video 10 minute Tuesday and the one just gone was all about Charles Woodson uh, a bit of a laugh something to lighten the mood uh, for people some really nice complimentary comments uh, but I'm not going to be like Donald Trump and start reading out all of the good stuff I think I'll leave that for another day but if you want to follow the uh, groups on social just go to at UK Packers on Instagram Facebook um, and Twitter and of course if you want to send us in a message go to info at ukpackers.co.uk and yeah go across to youtube youtube.com forward slash ukpackers but you will be hearing uh, more from us on the run up to the draft but until then enjoy the draft have some fun stay safe and stay healthy and a big massive go pack go